Yeah, so just don't look at yourself at all. Focus on you. You're focused. How's your wife doing with pregnancy? She's good, man. Tomorrow, or actually today is 20 weeks, so we're halfway there, and then tomorrow's our big appointment, so we're finding out all the things, um, which I don't even know what all the things are, but that's what she keeps saying. <laughs> so we're really excited. Yeah. Um, it's just wild to think that it came so fast. Like we're halfway there and everything after mm. this moment is less than halfway there. <laughs> it is less than halfway. We keep getting Amazon be packages the... of toys and things and I'm like, oh my gosh, these are for us. <laughs> You're having a boy, yeah? Yep, we're having, having a little a boy. boy. Mm-hmm. Dude, it's about to be the longest 20 weeks and of your life. Are my, my hero. Who's your hero? Dude, you think so? Everyone? Keaton Tucker. That's right. <laughs> That's right. But hey, Jordan, welcome to the podcast. Everybody, this is Jordan. Jordan, say hi. Hey, everybody. Keaton, thanks for having me. Hey, it's good. The, me and Jordan, how, how long have we been friends? When did we When did we officially meet? We met at YA. I started. Yeah, you were my first official like Red Rocks friend. I had a friend bring me to Red Rocks, young adults. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then he didn't come with me the second time. And then you mm-hmm. introduced yourself to me. Um, I did? I was like, wow. yeah, because you were outside greeting. And that's oh, part that's of, right. Like, my story, which we'll get into later. But like yeah. the greeting team was like really captured me. Like, did they really? I knew I wanted to attend this church. Yes. Wow. Um, yeah, I would do want to hear but about yeah, that. Yeah, that was back in 2017. Was it that long ago? Okay. Because then I was there. 2017 going into 2018 yeah because then i served for two years before i met brandy and i met brandy in 2019 oh you kind of froze just a little bit but that's all right so wait that was wait it was early 2017 or late 2017 i think it was late 2017 you know it was late 2017 like almost 2018 because i came around christmas Around Christmas. Are you sure it wasn't late 2018? I remember that because I was. I think it might have been late 2018 because my internship ended in uh, May of 2017 and I wasn't hired until April of 2018. So I, would, I wouldn't have even then been it was, there. It must have been 2018 then. Mm-hmm. 18, yeah. 19. And I used to stand at the door every week like, that's and a long like, time ago. say hello. Yeah, five years. Yeah. Five years passes a lo- like real quick. Um, I for- I always forget like how we how I met people. Like, what's the first time I met you? And because I actually don't remember meeting you for the first time, I just remember talking to you a lot at some point. It's like I I don't remember the very yeah, first time. I think we were just talking while I was like holding a sign out front. And oh, yeah, when I started yeah, yeah. serving, and then we. Uh-huh. Cause we had like little conversations here and there. And then you said, mm-hmm. Hey, I think I want to start a men's group at Starbucks mm-hmm. on That's right. Monday, Tuesday morning. Mm-hmm. And 6 you should come. I'm like, great. And I knew I wanted to get plugged in somewhere and it was mm-hmm. completely out of my way. Like you guys wanted to meet. No, it was month. What days do we have all staff? Tuesdays. You had meetings on Tuesday. So it had to have been Tuesdays cause you were meeting mm-hmm. at campus mm-hmm. and, um, it was that Starbucks right by the campus. So it was like 25 mm-hmm. minutes out of my no way. way to go mm-hmm. 40 minutes back to work. Mm-hmm. But I knew yeah, like, that's hey, right. this guy seems pretty cool. 
And I remember some of the other guys like came and came and went in that group, but you and I were like mm-hmm. always staples. And then pretty soon mm-hmm. it just became you and me. And I think mm-hmm. that's how we really started to get to know each other. And it became over oh, like that's books, right. mm-hmm. like book recommendations. It did become that Theodore Roosevelt. <laughs> I will recommend some books. That's true. So the reason I wanted to start that is because that's guy. what I am a book guy. Doug and Connor did that for um, a group of guys when I started first going to young adults. And I thought it was the greatest thing they had done. I liked it more than service. I liked it more than volunteering. I loved that Doug and Connor would on, they did it on Friday mornings after young adults and they would go, go to whole foods and we'd all show up and we'd have coffee at like 7am. And it was just, it was a blast. I loved it. And I was, I was like, well, I'm going to do that for some guys at young adults. And like one person from that group ended up working at the church and that was me. And then one person ended up working at the church and that was you. You're like, that's amazing. Um, Yeah. And I never expected that. No. So I was your first friend at Red Rocks and your wife was like my second friend at Red Rocks. I have to give Matt Kiefer his name, a guy named Matt Kiefer. He was the first person I met and he was, he wasn't on the greeting team, but he was on the, um, he worked at the, uh, what's it called? Like the information booth, but at golden, that was right at the front door. Cause there was no lobby. So he was just there and he's like, you want to sit with me? I was like, more than, you know, and he was my first friend and he introduced me to Brandy. <laughs> uh, and then you guys wow. got married. Wow. What a story. Because hey, so, you, I feel like you're yeah, a big part of that. I am. Do you remember that so, piece? I, oh, oh, I do. I, of course I'm like six for six on setting people up. So J- Jordan wanted to <laughs> volunteer in kids cause he's got a heart for kids, but you have to have, if you're going to volunteer at Red Rocks in kids, you have to have a recommendation from somebody. So he sent me his recommendation and, or he applied and the recommendation, he put me down for a recommendation and then Brandy is the one who sent it to me and something clicked. I was like, Ooh, actually, actually. And so I didn't answer any of the questions. I just wrote, he's great. You should marry him. He's great. You should marry him in every single question. And uh, every single uh, question, every single one, there was like 19 of them and it lit the flame. It lit the flame. And here you are. You're so married. She thought married, married to her, having a baby with her. It's mm-hmm. been the best. I can't you guys have been married life two and a half years? Else. Have you guys been married two and a half years? Um, Almost two years. Almost two years. We'll be That's married right. two years in August. That's right. Mm-hmm. So we'll have our baby right before our two years, <laughs> which they That's were, what we were like, okay, let's wait like three years, at least two years. And then we'll start at like our two year anniversary. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> none, surprise. No, no. <laughs> surprise. <laughs> yeah. You just, you better like start praying that that baby doesn't show up on your anniversary. I mean, Noah was two days after our anniversary. Dude. Like, you pray. Otherwise, you're sharing. Week. I don't think that's going to happen. I want to share a birthday with my son. So I hope he comes early, July 17th. Mm-hmm. I think that would be mm-hmm. really cool to have the same birthday as him. Would that my be like two weeks the early? Same birthday as her dad. And then. Well, that's cool. It'd be like 13 days. Yeah. Wow. Two, two weeks. Well, Jordan, tell the people who you are. And then I want to hear, let's hear your story about how you came to, you got like a great story because, and and I got, I got to see different parts of it from like, you were a venture capitalist when I met you 
and well, you worked in venture capital. You weren't yes. a venture capitalist. You were you worked in venture capital. Those are very different. Um, one is like a tight. Actually, I was. That was my job. Were you technically title. a venture? It was. Well, you were a venture capitalist. You were a titan yeah. of industry. They gave me. I worked for a technology components company, and I won't say the name of the company because they're not the best group of people in my life. Yeah, don't do um, that. But they sold technology, um, and yeah. So I'll get into that here in a second. Yeah, dude. So like, what's your story? But, How'd you yeah. end up coming to faith? How'd you end up in church? How'd you end up as a youth pastor? Like, what's question. your story? So um, what's up, everybody? My name is Jordan, and I am the youth pastor of Red Rocks Church Park Meadows campus. And I've been on staff for two years now, um, which has been such a blessing in my life. And so I'm going to kind of take you guys on a journey. It's going to be a fast forward journey. But um, I'm going to start with my family and growing up. So my family and I were really close. Um, we grew up Catholic, actually. So my parents are very much still Catholics. And they gave us like a really strong foundation. But I, I never I like, had like a relationship with Jesus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I went to like this religious education program and I got baptized, first communion, mm -hmm. all the things. There's like a few wow. different levels that you had to like overcome. I did not know that and it uh -huh. was yeah and I just did day by day like what my parents told me I needed to do we did we were every Sunday church people and it was always such a chore for my sisters and I like we did not like church it was so boring and I love my parents but at the time like I don't think they necessarily like showed us what it means to like live faith outside of a Sunday. Mm. Like my dad was like, he was a cool guy. He was very tough. Um, but we didn't have like a relationship really. My mom is a saint of a woman. I've always been really close to her. Um, but I just never understood like, why are we going to church if people act like this outside of church? Like you just, you're here, you're praying, you're doing all these things here. But right when we leave, you become a completely different person. So I always mm. saw it as a huge like, group people who are just hypocrites and I knew like right when I got to college I was going to stop going to church completely which I did so mm -hmm. fast forward um, from elementary all the way through high school I started attending CU Boulder go buffs and I stopped going to church altogether it was not my thing whenever I came back home I would go to church with my family on like Easter and Christmas Eve and things like that, but I would almost intentionally try to work on Christmas Eve. So I wouldn't have to go to church or Easter, like same thing. I'm like, sorry, I got scheduled. <laughs> but um, yeah, that was me for a long time. And in college, I was just like a big partier. Like I met some really cool people and I got to live this life I never got to have in high school. And I mean, I was safe. I didn't do drugs. I didn't do drugs, but I did like to party and drink and stay out late and make bad decisions financially. And um, with girls here and there. And um, I thought I was like living the life, like the college lifestyle, like the, the idea of it was just so awesome for me. And then my friend, Eddie, he, he started inviting me to church a lot. And I tried the whole church thing. I'm like, nah, bro, I'm good. I'm good. And he invited me and invited me for over a year. And he's like, okay, fine. Like if, if I go out with you tonight, cause I invite him out, you have to go to church with me in the morning. I'm like, fine deal well i got i drank a little too much stayed out pretty uh pretty late and i'm like there's no way we're going to church in the morning 
But of course, Eddie like shows up at my door, knocks, wakes me up at like 7 a.m. I'm like, Brian, I'll go. We're got you Starbucks actually went and um, dude, I went. I was not feeling it at all. Like I was. I not bet you were space, but <laughs> I had my coffee in hand. We rolled up. I'm like, oh my gosh. I probably had like three, maybe three hours of sleep at this point, maybe. And we went to Flatiron Church because I was like really close to oh, yeah, yeah. Boulder mm-hmm. campus. And um, that's a good church. Way different than Catholic Church. Yeah, they're a great church. Um, I, I loved my the start of my journey there. Mm-hmm. Um, but my first experience with it is I hated it. It was so loud. It was crowded. Like I was confused that like this is what church looked like and felt like. I know they sang that our song by Rihanna. And I'm like, <laughs> where, where am I? Oh uh, yeah. 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 That's, that's and right. So Cause I, they did that. They did that thing where they would like try to work in songs. secular songs as part of their, whatever message they were doing. I forget. Yeah. They did that for a, quite a while. Yeah, man. And I, it was so different for me. I was expecting like an organ and quietness and candles everywhere. Like that's the church I grew up in. I never went anywhere else. And then um, I went home and I I slept and I'm like, that sucked. Like fog machines, lights, like I I don't understand it. But I ended up going with him the next week um, back to church because I wanted to do it when I wasn't hungover and I didn't want (laughs) to kill myself. And so I ended up going with him again. I just felt like God speak to me so clearly. And I know that now, but in the moment I didn't. I just know like something in me like became alive again. And I'm like, I want to start like exploring this. So I did not give my life to Jesus then and there, but I wanted to just like take this step of faith like day by day and explore it on my own because faith was heavily shoved down my throat and like forced upon me. And now this was something that I got to choose for myself. I didn't want to just go all in and get disappointed again. So I was like, my guard was up. I had some strict boundaries with it, but I did try. And long story short, I loved it there. I like started understanding like the messages and I started understanding like what worship was. So when I graduated college, I started to attend their Denver campus um, with Eddie and his now wife, Claire. And we went to church together and I loved it. Um, And then I met my buddy, Nate, who introduced me to Young Life as a Young Life leader. And I did Young Life here and there, like in high school with some friends, but never was like really into it. Um, but I understood the concept of it, which is what I enjoyed. But long story short, I served as a Young Life leader. And then Nate took me to Young Adults at Red Rocks because he was attending Red Rocks. Mm-hmm. And he's like, meet me here at this place. And if you know Nate, he's awful with his phone, awful with details. And so I'm driving all the way to Lakewood campus. And it's like Wait, which Nate? snow. And I do not like to. This is Nate Shepard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was like a groomsman in my wedding. Yeah, did my. I know uh, Nate Shepard. We're still like best friends to this day. Yeah, he's yeah, an he, incredible he, photographer. He was a guy at YA that knew everybody. Yeah. Yes, incredible. He travels around the world, takes amazing pictures. Anyone who's mm-hmm. listening at Nate Shepard Photography, he's amazing. He is amazing. Um, you probably can't afford yeah, him. He introduced though. me to Red Rocks. Oh, yeah, I know. I'm, I'm glad I'm his friend and I got free photos for my engagement shoot. <laughs> um, but yeah, he's a great guy. And he and I really liked how in tune with his faith he was. Like he kind of stood out to me in a different way. And um, and at the time, like I was still like 
back up a bit. Like I was still going to church, but I was still like living this like bachelor lifestyle. I was still going out and partying in Denver. I was making really good money at Arrow or bleep that part out. I was making really good uh, money at my old company and um, I could just do whatever I wanted to. So I was like still living like the faith side that I was exploring, but then my bachelor side where I could just do whatever I want, buy whatever I wanted, all the things. But Nate, like he seemed to have like this different, different type of joy without like the partying, the drinking and the girls aspect. I'm like, dang, that's crazy. Cause I invited him to the bars one night with me and my friends. He's like, Oh no, I don't drink. I don't do that stuff. And I'm like, it's weird. Can I pause you right there real quick? Cause that's, that's something like, so before you were like, even had surrendered, even became a disciple of Jesus, follower of Jesus, you're still going to church, but you'd notice that there was something different about Nate. Like it was noticeable. And you yep. attributed that. Wow. Nate was wow. just, yeah. And, and truthfully, like when he would have told me that I probably would have stopped being his friend. Like, Oh, this kid doesn't like fit in with my life, but mm-hmm. there was something different about him and how he connected with the students that we were ministering. And, um, and I still to this day feel like a hypocrite for the way I was like leading those students. And mm-hmm. I had to like go through a lot of healing to like, fill that void and I had to, I even ended up calling the area director and apologizing because I just felt terrible and it all started because like I encountered God in a new way through a new person and wow. that person was Nate and he took me to Red Rocks YA and it was dumping snow the first time I ever went and I had to park far away because it was packed and I Walked in, I was drenched. I couldn't find him anywhere. His place was like crowded with people. I sat in the back by myself. I was so bitter. I ended up leaving like right before the right before worship ended. And then of course I went back the following Thursday and fell in love with it. I met some of his friends. I met um some great people. I think it was like a week or two before groups launch. And I ended up joining a group in my area with some amazing guys. Uh, you remember Josh Vasquez? Oh yeah. He was my group leader. Um, yeah. Love that guy. Him and yeah, him and another guy. And it was a co-ed group and I met some of the most remarkable people, people who were, um, so in love with Jesus. And to this day, that group still meets like, of course, like lives happen and people move and whatever. So people come and go, but like the core group of those people are still there. And, um, I thank God every day for that, those people, um, because they've had a huge influence in my life and where I'm at today. Um, but then again, like it was when I started going to Red Rocks Young Adults and really pouring into that ministry is when I started feeling, um, that I had to go all in with my faith or not in at all. And like I said, I was working at this company and I was making great money as a venture capitalist. They gave me like two and a half to $3 million every year to invest in startups, entrepreneurship. Um, And they sent me to conferences all over the place. They sent me to um, this really cool technology showcase in Vegas where I was just like meeting all these like inventors and stuff. It was awesome. I was like living the life. Um, 
but it became to the point where they asked me to do some really shady and um, shady things and things I didn't agree with. And to be honest, I kind of like did them and I'm like, maybe this is just how like companies work. I don't know. Just in defense of you, in defense of you, because I remember these conversations, you didn't know if they were immoral or not. You were like, they're kind of, kind of. Absolutely not. Yeah. You didn't really know. You and I, I remember working through that with you. And asking a lot of questions. Yeah. But you also the people who were telling me to do these things were the same people who I wanted to be. Right. Like they had nice cars, nice houses. I went on their boats. Like if they're asking me to do this and this is the lifestyle I want, like of course I'm gonna listen to you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah, I remember that. And so so I, I started doing them for a while and it was it was like really I was really struggling with it. And, um, yeah, I don't know. It was just, I was in a place of finding out where my faith was and then on a Sunday and then implementing it through the rest of the week. And so jump forward, um, a few months after that I've been like involved with Red Rocks young adults is when I knew I wanted to start serving. And that's when, I'm like, I don't want to put too much. I don't want to commit something that I, I would drop out. And so I'm like, greeting seems safe. And so I started <laughs> greeting with a sign out front and loved it. I loved it, man. It was so much fun. I got to meet people because I felt welcomed and expected and seen by the greeters every time that I showed up. And mm-hmm. That's a huge part of my testimony. I tell my students all the time now, like the smallest, most insignificant job to you could change someone's life. Like the story of David, like he was a shepherd boy that ended up becoming a king. It's like you wouldn't imagine where like where this would take you one day. But I just remember being so people were like excited to see me and I didn't have relationships like that. And. So every week I was just pumped to show up and give someone a high five and then go in the auditorium, sit with some friends. And so that's, I wanted to give that same experience to somebody else. Um, cause I, cause it changed my life and I wanted it to change someone else's too. So I met some great guys and, um, some girls that were greeting with me and it just became a regular thing in the hottest of the hot days and the coldest of the cold days. Like we were out front, like welcoming people being goofy, like dancing in the street and, why do we have to take life so seriously? Like I want people's guards to drop and so they can come in and just like encounter God. And so I loved it. I love doing that piece. And then that's how I met you. Like you were, I think we're kind of overseeing like the greeting team or you were just outside a lot. Um, I was just us. outside and a lot. And you invited me to, you're just outside a lot. You see how that yeah, works? So um, works? I learned out. that. I learned that from Andrew. If you don't have anything to do, go outside and say hi to people. Like I learned it from Andrew. That's and so great like, advice. All right. Mm-hmm. Great, great advice. Yeah. And that, it was That's a great, Andrew. it was a great opportunity for me to meet new people. And, um, you know, I, I did start off by that, cl- the cliche, like I want to go meet a Christian girl. Like I want to, I want to go find my, my future wife at church. So I'm going to move the chairs 
like I'm going to have four or five in my hand at once. Like <laughs> it feels so weird to say that out loud, but bro, it's real. Like I wanted, uh-huh. <laughs> I wanted to meet uh-huh. my wife at church and you were so peacocking to like flex a little bit, bro. Big time. I tried to flex as much as I could. <laughs> um, and it was great. It was great. Um, I met some good people, but overall I was there to like really like work on my faith and my, mm-hmm. my walk with Jesus. Mm-hmm. And eventually like I knew, like I was kind of bouncing between churches at the time, but I prayed so hard about it. And, and the Holy spirit really showed me that like Red Rocks was going to be my church home. And, um, it, I have connected with people and my faith has never been stronger because of what God is doing in and through our church. Mm. And even at that point, like I was never, not once did I ever expect I'd go into ministry ever. I just had more boundaries up at my company that I was working with now. And Mm -hmm. the more shady things they're asking me to do where I was at this point, I'm just, I said, no. So for over a year, I asked God to like, can I, should I leave? Like, I'm ready to leave. Should I leave? And he was very clear about no, no, no. And just, and I'm like, I look back at it now and like in that season, like, I feel like God was telling me like, be patient and stand true to your faith. And maybe others will like get along too, which is great because then we started watching a a few people noticed and I started having conversations with people. We started watching church together on Mondays in the office. Um, And then COVID hit. And I stopped doing that completely because we weren't allowed in the offices anymore. So I still had relationships with some of my coworkers I would have never had before. Um, and now we're all like in a text message group of talking about the sermon that happened the Sunday before and all the things. And I feel like God was preparing me for like COVID. Like he's like, you need a job. <laughs> um, and then right when the COVID restrictions lifted, it was, I just felt peace about leaving leaving the company. And I had no idea where I was going to go. I had no idea what I wanted to do next. I didn't want the same experience. And I was literally taking the biggest leap of faith because I was making amazing money, had amazing benefits. And um, I was like dating Brandy at the time um, because I met her through church at Park Meadows, serving in youth ministry and in kids at the time. And she felt excited about it too. Like, she's like, I think it's time for you to leave. And so I started teaching special education at a local high school. And I love that job. That's been a big part of my life and a big part of my, um, I love that community for years and years now. And so I went to a job that paid me fourteen fifty an hour with no benefits and no summer pay. And I wouldn't say my parents were like pissed, but they weren't excited about they definitely that. weren't thrilled like they kept sending me like they will n- they weren't my parents are very like business-minded people um and so they kept sending me like job applications and opportunities and i'm like i'm just i'm just not ready for that like because i i kind of skipped over this but i started serving as a youth leader at park meadows campus and i'm like i just want to do something with students like i love being with like these students and watching them grow in their faith And so to like really jump, Brandy and I were in the Park Meadows Mall parking lot and we had a two hour long impromptu discussion about like my future. It's like, maybe I'll go back to school and teach at a high school. Maybe I'll go to Denver Seminary and like teach Bible or something. I don't know. And we talked about 
like if I was ever to work at a church or work in the ministry, like, would you want it to be at Red Rocks? I'm like, I want to go where God calls me to go, but I also want to do, I want to work at a place with you. Um, whether, and if that's, if I get called to another church or not called, if an opportunity at another church comes up, I'd really have to pray about it, but it just didn't, didn't feel right because another church did reach out to me and ask me to apply as a youth pastor. Cause my friend was there um, mm. for the, as the middle school pastor. And Brandy and I talked about that and I'm like, it just doesn't seem right. Like that doesn't, it's like the job that I would want and that I want, I wanted to be a part of, but it just didn't, I didn't have the peace behind it. And um, long story short, like an opportunity came up and I started to apply at Park Meadows as the youth pastor and months and months of fasting and praying and tears and overthinking. Um, God was just, he opened up the door and I walked into it and I've never been happier in my entire life. You know, I've, yeah. I'm excited about where I'm at and I love what I get to do and I can do with my wife and some of my best friends and it's incredible. So being a youth pastor is what God has been preparing for me my whole life. And I just didn't see it because I was yeah. so distracted by money and things. And I finally got to see what true joy is Yeah, through my students. Dude, that's so good. There is you know a... funny. Even when I was like volunteering. Oh, go on. No, there's a, just a little bit of a delay. Even through volunteering. Oh, there is. Okay. Even through like volunteering as a youth leader here, like I still had no desire to be in ministry. I'm like, your job is constantly phone calls and emails. And she was the kids pastor at this time. And I'm like, how do you do this? Like that sucks. Like you don't have weekends. <laughs> and, um, the more I was around and the more like that I served, I just started feeling like this is what I want to do full time. And I didn't know what that looked like. I had no idea what that meant, but I knew I wanted to be involved with students um, and their growth in their walk with Jesus um, and to remind them that they are loved. Like, mm. I think that's a big problem students face today is that they don't feel loved. And I wanted mm. to, Wednesdays were my favorite day of the week. So every Wednesday, I just want to go and be a consistent figure in their life. Someone that they could learn to like really trust and grow with. And now I get to do that every day. That's so good. There is, um, you had mentioned about like when you, so before you even left your job, I remember we were sitting at, um, Corvus over in Littleton and you were, you were like ready to leave, but you weren't sure about the money. Like, I remember that. I remember having those conversations because it was like you were making real good money and you were about to be real, real poor. And I think you needed a car at the time. <laughs> yes. Yeah, you were like, this, this could truck. not. You needed to fix your truck. That's right. And I don't think you didn't work at the school that long. Right? I was, was there like, for about four months. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, it, would, it wasn't very long because you, you left that job. And almost, it felt like almost immediately you were applying at Red Rocks. Yeah. 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 Is, yeah. yeah that was exactly uh, how it happened. Mm -hmm. 
it was a two month waiting period between two and a half months of finding out the Casey, the previous youth pastor was leaving and me getting hired on officially was two, almost two and a half months, two months in a week. Yep. Hire slow is what the the philosophy thing like. Yeah. And it was like, what is that in second Peter two, like talks about like God's timing and God's timing is perfect. And we're like the impatient ones. And so during that time, I like, it was actually like a blessing in disguise because I really got to pray and talk about it with Brandy and trust in the Lord. Like I, of course I had mind games and it was frustrating at points, but like end of the day, like I had to remind myself, like I love the, this church and these students so much, even if I'm not the person they select to take over, I trust that God is going to put the right person to lead these students and I would fall under their leadership a hundred percent. And yeah. it froze as right much as, as I, there. like I said, as much as I wanted it, I wanted it. I wanted the best for these kids. Yeah. That's so good. Well, dude, you're a good youth pastor and it was like fu- fun to walk through with you. I remember the, the, one of the first things I remember about you though, this was had to have been me. I mean, it was early. You had just been, you hadn't been on the, the greeting team very long is you asked very good and sincere questions and whatever you were told, you were like, Oh, okay. And you just did it. Like you would ask questions about like the Bible or what do Christians believe about this? Or like, why do you believe that at all? And you'd be like, Oh, okay. And then you'd go explore and be like, that makes sense. You always ask, you asked really, really good questions. Like you were very curious. Um, Thank you. That was, that yeah, was something I, mean, I remember. I, like I said, beginning, like I wanted it to be, if I was going to go in, I wanted to go all in. Like I, especially in the early stages, I didn't want to get burned again. And a big piece of being burned by like a couple churches in the past was like, almost, it was a very offsetting for me to join another church. Yeah, and totally. I just had so much trust in you, and I felt like a piece um, when I was at Red Rocks. Like, we might have to take like a ten second break so my headphones can charge. Oh, that's fine, dude. I don't edit this podcast, so you just let it let it be what it is. You just keep talking. You don't edit this podcast. No, you just put it straight on. Yeah, you can't. And you know why? You can't edit your life. And so whatever happens, you let it happen and you you <laughs> just make the most you make the most of it. It's part of my style. Right you can't now, edit no. your life. So you make the most of what happens and you let people see it. Nice. Well, yeah. Um I'll just charge one headphone at a time then. Um There you go. But yeah, man, I it's just being like our friendship and getting to know you over the years um, has been a huge blessing. Like you, I've always prayed for like real authentic Christian male friends. And I think that's extremely important um, for all men to have in their life because I didn't have that. Like my friends were the ones that, and I love them to death, but they were the ones that were like encouraging me to like continue partying and drinking and, 
the whole idea of going out was to like bring a girl home, which was more of like their style than mine, but I was still around that. And so I didn't feel mm -hmm. comfortable asking them about like real life struggles. So for years mm -hmm. and years and years, I just like internalized and bottled up like my emotions and my frustrations and my struggles and my pain because I didn't want them to see me as weak and I didn't yeah. want their advice on how to fix that. And so when you came into my life, I, I mean, I'm sure you could even attest to this, but I was, I still had some like hesitations until you were finally like, can you just like be real? Can you just like tell me like what's really going on? And you are, you're a pressing person. You're like, that's right. I am a pressing person. <laughs> you're not telling me everything. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, here we go. Here we go. <laughs> and like, I just, you are part of like my healing story and learning to trust yeah. people again, because you took what I said and told me things that were helpful. And you also told me things I didn't want to hear, but I needed to hear. And yeah. those are the kinds of friendships that people need to have. I hope it was gentle. Was it gentle at least? I think there was moments of gentleness. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Whoops. Yeah. Maybe game just recognizes game because I uh I spent most of my life hiding everything that was inside of me from everyone around me. Um and so I guess I got really good at recognizing what I was doing in other people. So and I've just kind of poke, like just get it out. I'm kind of intense. Big poker. <laughs> I'm kind of intense, but but no, I think you had good. you had you had Tyler Roberts to be like your encourager. You're just intentional too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I Dude, love so him. he's like one of my best friends, and yeah, he's amazing. Um, so I I did want to know because you are with teenagers, you're with youth students all the way from about twelve till eighteen, going off to going into college, and the world is has always been kind of crazy but it is especially crazy right now. And teenagers have access to the entire world just in their phone. And unbelievable pressure from school. Um, and I would love to know, like, what are, what are teenagers, what are young men especially dealing with? How are you helping? What questions are they asking? Like, what's the state of young men in... 2023 at your youth ministry because you how big is the youth ministry i see well between all four campuses we see definitely over like mm, 1300 students a week yeah um plus but how about minus, your campus i get about 200 mm -hmm. um and then when we have like our like invite nights like we, mm -hmm. we see a bit more um mm -hmm. But what's really cool is that I recently found this out that like we have a huge online following, like a huge really? online following of our youth ministry. Like um, our social media guy was telling me that we have students in Italy who are like tuning into our Instagram and following our like little reels that we're posting and photos and they want to know if they're allowed to come on retreats and all the things. And I'm like, that's amazing. Like. I think God's using like social media in such a powerful way to reach students yeah. around the world. Yeah. 
Well, he is absolutely from Denver, Colorado. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Have so, you have you yes, heard my thing about God and technology? Is that every t- every time there every time there's a technological advancement, God uses it to like advance his his kingdom very very effectively. Um, so, for example, the very first time is you know during the silent years when Greece was just conquering the world. It gave the the world one language, which is a form of communication. And then Rome comes in and gives the world roads, which is a form of technology. And those two, when those two meet, is when God advances his purposes on earth. And so Jesus shows up right after the Rome, the roads are all built and the world has one language. And now they can spread the gospel to everybody who speaks one language. Um, and they do it very, very effectively. And Alexander the Great had conquered so much territory that you could hit like a majority of the known world with very little need to speak another language. Um, and then the church is established. But then the very next time there's this great advancement of kingdom purposes happens right after the printing press. Um, because now everybody can like read the scripture and printing press ha- precedes the reformation i think by like 80 years i think um and then boom gospel spreads again and then right when um speech like in our era for the last 30 years they've wanted to restrict speech but then you give everybody access to technology phones where you can get you can say whatever you want to say so yes i do think um he is using social media without with all of its problems of course but god loves when you can use technology and your voice at the same time that's good that makes a lot of sense yep there's my rant Did you do a podcast now, on that no i have not i've just been thinking about it for a long time i'm very interested in how god uses uh technology language networks empires like very interested in it That's pretty cool. <laughs> but I wanted to go back to your uh, original question about like, yeah. was it what young men at our youth ministry, like problems are facing or is that, is that correct? Yeah. Like young men, but also just like students in general, because you, you see stats of like teen depression is at the highest it's ever been. So is anxiety. Attempted suicides are at the highest they've ever been. Like you see all those stats and it's like, what on earth is happening? Yeah. And I think like when you look at students as stats, you're going to treat them as stats. And I want to start mm-hmm. looking at them as people and treating them as people. Mm-hmm. And so not all students are like, I don't want to combine. I don't want to, what's that word? Group my students together and assume like all of you are anxious. All of you are depressed. It's like, no, I want to as hard as it is, like, I want to get to know the individual student. And I think that's so important for, our, that's, it's so important for me to pour into our volunteers because they are the pastors of their small group. They're the ones that are like really getting to know like their students at an individual level. I don't want mm-hmm. to just look over and assume that all of them are facing the same thing. Well, I'll preach on that and I'll preach on like different um, struggles students go through. Absolutely. But I don't want to just assume all of them are going through something. Um, but like, I want our um, 
sorry. Well, go back to the original question because I hear stats and I'm like, oh, I don't want to. I, you get out. You got. What are students dealing with? What are you up. seeing? <laughs> Great. Okay. Yes. <laughs> um, what are some like real life range. stories? I think right now. Oh, you want some real life? You want to get real, real? <clears throat> no. Well, I mean, I was just trying to get you off of stats. Obviously, no names. Yeah, absolutely. Well, the thing is that our the students that I see like on a week to week basis, I think the biggest thing that they struggle with is like self esteem and value. I don't think they see themselves as like either I am an athlete, um, I am uh, like a nerd, like I'm smart, or I am invisible, I am this. Like they have all these ideas in their head based off how other people like see them and treat them. It's so if they have a bad game or they lose or they get a bad grade on a test or they don't get the part in the play that they want or whatever that looks like, then that becomes their identity. Like their problems mm-hmm. become their identity. And that's that's when you start seeing kids like really give up on themselves. That's when you see like a shift in emotion. And I'm not saying that like you can't be sad when things like that happen, but you can't let it like dictate your life. Right. And so the idea is to remind students that like you are more than that. Like God is calling you to something more like he, and I want these students to know, like at the end of the day, like God's going to see you as your, um, (laughs) we have a visitor. Sorry. We had a, we have a visitor at the door. Um, do you need to go get him? Okay. Um, end of the day, like, no, I think they're just telling me they're leaving. Um, good people here. But like, no, like at the end of the day, we just think like, uh, I want these students to know that they're more than what they do. Like God looks after like the heart and not the appearance. So we need to like work on students' hearts and what they mm-hmm. truly believe about themselves. Because the thing that the, the enemy wants to do the most is get inside like the mind of students because he knows once he gets like the control center, like the rest of them are going to shut down. Oh, I told you you couldn't do this. I told you you couldn't do that. You're not pretty enough, strong enough, um, smart enough. Like you can't do these things. And then once they start to believe that about themselves, then they can't do anything. And that's why I think it's so important for students to know that like spiritual warfare is real. Like whatever they're facing, whatever issues that they're feeling about themselves, like they need to know that like God's voice is bigger, that the battle that they in is has already been won because like God is the ultimate victor. Mm-hmm. And, um, it, I think it's, it starts at home. Like students need to like take their faith outside the walls of a Wednesday night or a Sunday. Like they need to know that they have like the spirit, like the Holy spirit in them at all times and to like fight with that t- type of confidence, heavenly confidence, instead of relying on their, their own strengths and their own confidence. Um, and I know that, that I kind of like twisted that question around a bit like it's just hard to say what students are going through because it's so individual it's very specific but the root of it is like these students need to know how god sees them and not how the world sees them and then face their battles that way well that's really helpful because um when you hear stats alone i know you hate them and i understand why you hate them because they're really depressing and they might paint a picture of like well it's there's nothing you can do to help and i'm a big believer that every young every young man if you're like 
over 22 and under 30 and you're single, you should be volunteering at your local church ministry, like youth ministry. And like, I still, I was on the phone the other day with one of my youth students. He's 20, how old is he now? 26 now. But I knew him when he was, I've known him since he was 17. And um, we talk at least once a month and you learn stuff by pouring into students that you just can't learn any other way. And you, you start to realize that every, what you said, what they deal with is individual and it's almost, it's timeless. It's what you and I struggled with when we were teenagers and what our parents probably struggled with. It's more timeless stuff. Now you get into the other cultural things. Those might get a little bit more broad. Do you see any of that happening at your, in the Park Meadows area? Can you clarify that question? Uh, specifically gender identity. Do you have a Do you guys see a lot of that? Cause like up here, probably, um, I'd say 15% of the students at the, the youth ministry here, youth ministry is about, um, 130, probably about 15% of them, uh, have some sort of gender identity thing, but they, and a lot of them, it changes all the time. I do have some students, absolutely, mm -hmm. that struggle with gender identity. Mm -hmm. um, and that's like a really hard topic. Um, yeah. At the end of the day, I believe that by students who are struggling with that mindset, mm -hmm. when they come to youth, like it's not my job to judge them. It's not the the volunteer's job to tell them their lifestyle is wrong but when they walk in the doors of my youth ministry they know that they are going to be loved seen valued mm. no matter what mm. and i believe that god is going to start to speak to them at a very um and god's going to speak to them and meet them where they're at right now yeah and hopefully like this student like receives that yeah. and sees that like I can be different. Yeah. Cause I had a student recently who believed that she was a boy and she wanted to be called a different name and we'll call that Tom. And so she wanted us to call him Tom. Um, so um, that's what we were doing. And then, but she continues to come to our youth ministry and pours into like the messages and the worship. And it's been over a year now. And she came up to me this last week and said, Hey, I think that like, I'm wrong. And I, I want to be called Jessica. We'll call her Jessica again. Mm -hmm. She's like, I feel like God reminded me who my true identity is. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, that's great. And so she's mm -hmm. like, so can you start calling me Jessica again? I'm like yeah absolutely so i think it's like all a part of like it's not my job to change or fix them but to remind them about like the love and the grace of jesus mm -hmm. yeah. and let these students have their own mo like create a space where these students have their own moments to encounter the holy spirit so he can start a work in their life yeah hmm. but overall i i see 
a lot of students that struggle with gender identity, especially when I'm mm-hmm. going to these schools, mm-hmm. not necessarily within my ministry itself, mm-hmm. but I mean, I'm getting pictures and videos of students who are starting to identify as animals. And I'm mm-hmm. like, Oh, that's different. That is different. And um, it's hard. Like, mm-hmm. I just don't, I don't understand it. Mm-hmm. And I believe that God created man and woman, mm-hmm. but I also will like love and see and value all students yeah. the way that like God calls us to. Yeah. I mean, even in scripture, it tells us that like we should, like Jesus set the perfect example of how to treat other people, like the image of God, Imago Dei, the way you love, you treat and you care about others the way Jesus loves, treats and cares about you. Mm-hmm. And so end of the day, like that's, my job for these kids right yeah and you can love people almost out of anything but the mm-hmm. the difference between like a what you're displaying and what your volunteers were displaying and what is talked about as love are very very different because most people when they talk about love they love at a distance not up close and most people if you're loving at a distance you're not it probably and especially in this kind of situation you're not really loving somebody you're you're disguising like you can't you almost can't be bothered but you're just like yeah whatever love you um as long as it doesn't affect your day-to-day world right but if you if you love somebody and you love them up close you can love them out of pretty much anything does that make sense yeah totally i was just curious i was curious as as to how that how that was going because it's a um, in part, it's a social contagion. Um, in part, there are, I think the, the, the number of students that have like from the DSM five gender dysphoria is less than 1% of all students. Um, and I know it's a stat, but, and then it's like this other thing, kind of like how, whatever you and I did in high school. But it's very, very confusing to fragile minds. I know that's the thing. Like the way our parents lived, the way mm-hmm. that you and I lived, and what we experienced is very mm-hmm. different from what way our different. students now are going through and experiencing. Mm-hmm. Like it's yeah. hard to, like I see why there's such a disconnect between why parents have a hard time connecting with their students, because in the parents' mind, they're basing their response off their experience and hoping it connects with their student. And that's not how it works anymore. Like you have to put yourself in the position and the mindset of your student. So you can connect with him that way, connect with Mm. her that way. Mm. Hmm. Interesting. The world has a very strong influence on students these days through like social media and TV shows. Mm -hmm. Um, And with all of this, like students are starting to like live their own truths Mm -hmm. when we should be living for like God's truths about us. Mm -hmm. Because right now there's a million different truths like floating around and they're grabbing and nitpicking of what like will fit their lifestyle, which Mm -hmm. is causing them to have gender identity issues because they don't know who they are truly because the world keeps telling them who they should be, what they should be doing, who they should be hanging out with. They're taking, they're taking pieces of value from different people's um, 
vision of who they are. Like, I don't know. And I think that's why we have such a hard time knowing who we truly are because we're trying to manipulate our identities mm-hmm. when we should just stop, rest, be still and know God created us in his image. Yeah. We are perfectly and wonderfully made, but the world is telling us the opposite. So right. we need to get back to the truths of who God says yeah. we are. Mm-hmm. And once we do that, I feel like the identity issue won't be as big of a thing anymore. Yeah. That's probably true. Have you read The Rise and Triumph of the Modern Self? No, but I'm going to write it down. It's probably the most important the Christian book. And what? Triumph of the Modern Self. It's dense, but it explains why the world thinks the way it does, like why we think the way we do nowadays. And it's re- it's probably the most important Christian book of the last 30 years um, as a cultural analysis. And that's what it is. It's a cultural analysis and helps you understand why people are thinking this this way and it's it's a it's been very very helpful for me um really 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 good highly recommend it um i'll read that but yeah, yeah but you can love you can love people out of almost anything and that's just like what i don't think you help the next generation by um without getting involved like you literally, you cannot help without getting involved at all. You can't help with uh, anxiety, depression, gender, um, any the pressure, the social pressure of trying to get into a college and what high school is now. Like you can't help if you're not willing to get involved. Like you can listen to your podcast and get mad, or you can go to youth on Wednesday nights at the Park Meadows campus, or wherever you, whatever church is local. You know, like just go help, go love some students. And I think, I mean, I, I will never, ever, ever regret being a youth volunteer for the five and a half years that I was a youth volunteer. It was some some of the most important years of my life. That's where I like learned to love people. Oh yeah. Students will like, they'll make you so mad. And they'll, they'll like irritate you sometimes, but like it is all worth it when you see like the life change in, and like in their life. And when mm-hmm. they start to pour into like younger students, like I've had my boys, I've been since their eighth grade, summer going to freshman year. So basically their entire high, their entire high school experience and they're graduating this year. And I get emotional just thinking about, what I have seen God do in their lives and Mm -hmm. the people they have brought to church and seeing what God's done through their lives. Mm -hmm. Like I, I put a lot of, um, let me back up a little bit. Like seeing what these students have gone through, like heartbreaks, anxiety, depression, like that's hard. And we've had Mm -hmm. some really tough talks, Um, but I've also seen them through like really joyous moments Mm -hmm. that we can like celebrate things that we can um, 
be thankful for. And like, that's what it's all about. Like life is not yeah. going to be easy when you pursue Jesus. It's not going to be easy. It's going to be tough, mm. but it's what's right. Mm. Um, and like I said, like these students can like get on your nerve and you're like, I just told you a million times to not do that. And you're doing it again. <laughs> yeah. But end of the day, like they're doing, I feel like there are, walking into like their life not a life that i want for them necessarily like the friday saturday night lifestyle but they are choosing jesus mm-hmm. the best that they can mm-hmm. i mean their faith their freshman year to where it is now is like completely different right i have right. like the growth and the intentionality and the faithfulness is just inspiring and i know that they're a lot of them are setting really good examples for the next generation of our ministry and our church and Mm -hmm. um, i'm proud of them yeah do you feel like you've had to learn because i i think i feel like i ever learned this as when i when i was in youth you learn do you feel like you learned that you can't actually make anything happen for other people Like you can't make oh, your totally. students follow Jesus. No. Like no matter what you do, no matter what you say, if you force faith on somebody, they are going to walk away. At some point it needs to be their decision. Yeah. I can share the life of Jesus and all these essential people of the Bible and and I know it because I experienced it. Like the power of our testimonies can like change the world. And they, my students know me really well, but at the end of the day, like they have to make the decision to like accept Jesus as -hmm. their Lord and savior. They have to accept um, the lifestyle that God calls us to live, which Mm -hmm. we're going to mess up. We're going to fall short. Absolutely. But that doesn't mean that we get to give up. Right. Yeah. uh, And and the youth ministry is so different because we're planting seeds right now. And we might not see the fruit of those until, I don't know, 30 college later on down the road, 30 years old. Um, And I think that's hard for a lot of, like a lot of youth leaders, like, man, I keep telling them that they need to come to church. They need to do the thing. And, and when is, when's God just going to start moving? And I'm like, relax. Like he is moving. Like, Watch, watch where these students, what, watch what these students become in mm-hmm. a month, two months, two years. Like when they yeah. come back and they're like, Hey, what you said to me changed my life. And that's what, and that's like, that's, what's really nice. Like I've had students who graduated two years ago, three years ago that when I was just a youth volunteer and mm-hmm. now they're calling me saying like, Hey, I like have a call to like go into ministry. And I'm like, you do and they were telling you sure? me about like how they've like got planted at a church and they 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 serve and all the things and it's just it's amazing that god is god has like this amazing plan for all of us and now they're they're ready to do something with it they're ready to like fully walk in it and yeah you're gonna get bumps and bruises and you're gonna bleed along the way but like what we do in youth ministry now Mm-hmm. is going to dramatically affect 
their future. Right. Yeah, and you can't unplant seeds. Nope. Like they just they Stay take there. root and they they they're there. And yeah, I told so I did some I got with our youth pastor and and their team. And I I gave them three bits of advice on how to like successfully do youth. And I, I was like this is what you need to know. You got to play the long game. You got to be available and be willing to have fun with them. If you can do those three things, like you'll do, you'll do well, be available, play the long game, Dude, be willing yes. to have fun. <laughs> yes. The fourth be one, goofy, just pray your heart. Like, yeah. I've, Oh my gosh. I have so many stories that like retreats and youth nights, bro. I uh, probably have done like 12 or so eating competitions with these boys after you like who can eat like the most pizza, like who can eat like eight donuts in three minutes, like fun things like that. Um, it's, I'm like, what, who am I? But I get, I get paid to do this. Like, this is, mm-hmm. Like, not only do we get to share the good news of Jesus with these kids, but we get to go out and have, like, these crazy competitions in the lobby. Yeah. You get to do I, that. That's But the most important thing that I will tell any person who wants to go into youth ministry mm-hmm. is you need to be available during inconvenient times. But these students need to be loved through um, no matter what they've done or gone through. They need... A youth pastor needs to be consistent, committed, and dedicated to their students. Mm-hmm. Their youth ministry shouldn't like take over their life, especially if you're married. Like wife obviously yeah. comes in, but like mm-hmm. being a youth pastor is it's real work because these students, like, yeah, you can have fun with them all the time, but like they need someone in their life who is going to be able to talk to them on a Friday night when they feel worthless. Like I'm, I could say this for any, any job in ministry, but like you, being a youth, I'll speak on being a youth pastor, but it is not an eight to five job Monday through Friday. No, it's not. One of my favorite parts of my job is going out and supporting these students um, at their games, at their concerts, at their plays. I just went to an ice skating competition, like showing up. And I mean, that's what they're going to remember. Like these students might not remember every single sermon I give on a sun or on a Wednesday, but what they will remember is that I showed up, that their volu- that their volunteer leaders showed up, that they picked them up to go get ice cream or they bought them lunch. Like when we are investing and sacrificing parts of our life to be with them that's what they're going to remember and that that's what i remember about my mentor like he was there for me he showed up for me and i want to give that to my students like let them know that like i am not just here on a wednesday and don't talk to me outside of that but like i'm here for you i want to show up for you and i am very blessed to have volunteers that have the same mindset for their small group students. I get pictures and videos of all of them like doing a park day or ice skating together 
bowling, like these like little things, like they, one of my youth leaders invited them over to like paint. So they all like got like canvases and they're all painting together. Like those are the kind of things students are going to remember, like feeling wanted and remembered. Mm. Cause that's, I mean, that just like makes like, that's what all students want. They want that, that love, that intentional yeah. love. I could jump out of my chair because you're so, that's a hundred percent correct. I don't remember, I don't think I remember a single sermon from my youth pastor, but he was around a lot. He was around a lot. Don't and I you do wish you were one of those guys that. Nope, there's still the delay. Don't point at me. So what were you going to say? Don't you wish you were Unless one, of those, we're one of those guys that like made that whole like turn your mess into a message. Your pain is going to be a purpose. You know, those like key pieces of um, a message that students are just going to like grab onto and hold. But at the end of the day, they're, they're not going to remember things. They might remember um, the idea of it. And I think, um, but these students are going to remember the hangouts, the movie nights, the, the posters that we make for them, like things like that. Mm-hmm. And those are the memories I have too. If you asked me what I preached about a month ago, I could tell you, or I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't tell you unless I went back on my computer and looked. But a month ago, I do remember I went to two plays and a tennis match. Mm -hmm. And we got Dairy Queen afterwards. Yeah. That's one of the reasons I love small groups so much is because it's actually a place where people can grow a little bit. You can't downplay preaching. Preaching is like its own meal. That's why you don't remember it. It's one, one meal that you had. It's like I probably you probably couldn't tell me what you had for dinner last Tuesday, but that's what preaching is. Preaching is a meal. Um, it's also a chance to proclaim the gospel. But people grow with other people. It's always been that way, and it's true of youth ministry. It's true of small groups. It's true. Of, it's just true of everything. Um, well, dude, we're at an hour and ten minutes, and I was going to ask you some other questions, okay. but since we're uh, we'll just have to have you come back on. Um, I appreciate you coming on and for offering your wisdom. And if you are a 20 something or you're in your thirties, whatever age you are, go volunteer at your local youth ministry. It will change your life, but it will also change the trajectory of a lot of students' lives um, just by showing up. So thank you for tuning into this version of the man I want to be podcast. We'll catch you next time.